Hey, my name is Alan Nichols, and I am actually from Cedar Rapids uh, area and from that church. Uh, everybody calls me Al, so you're welcome to do so as well. Uh, I am on the teaching communication team, and I am also on the church board. Now, some of you who know me voted for me, and I just want to let you know you're crazy. <laughs> I don't know what you're thinking, but okay. So anything happens, your fault. The rest of these people didn't know me. They, they're innocent. All right. So, uh, hey, I'm really happy to be here, though, and we are uh, here today in Pateria. I got here a little early and saw all of what was going on, and I just want you to know that um, there are a lot of um, people here that might be considered underdogs in the sense that they don't necessarily get a lot of recognition, but they do a lot of work. So my thanks to all of you who come here early each and every Sunday and, and do this setup and everything and tear down and all that work. Thank you very much for all the work that you guys do in the background. Yeah, well, I want to talk a little bit this morning about a situation that's very familiar with all of us, and not just situation, but an emotion. Anger, right? I mean, we all get angry. I get angry, you get angry, we all do. But the thing is, is how do we handle our anger? That's what's really important. And it's not just important, it's really kind of vital in how we handle life, Right? Well, let me give you an example of my life. Uh, back in 2019, I was the uh, IT manager of a company in Cedar Rapids, and I was in charge of part of a team helping to bring about a very, very big software package that was basically one of those kind of software packages where it runs the entire company, right? From, from the minute you order something to the minute it ships out and goes to the customer, and then, what, <clears throat> excuse me, I forgot to get some water. Then the minute they come back to, uh, to, to get, um, to get uh, serviced and everything, the whole thing, whole thing, very important. So this is a huge process, a very huge process, right? And so it's going to take 10 months to put this thing together, 10 months, and a team of 12 to do it, 10 months, team of 12. So we are meeting every day. We're going, we have somebody who comes in who teaches us. They're an expert with the software, and they're saying, you need to implement this, and here's what you have to do, and we're learning, we're trying. And then what happens in January of 2020? Thank you. January of 2020, pandemic, right? Okay, so the pandemic comes along, and everything shuts down. But they tell us, corporate says, is there any way you can keep going? We'd like for you to keep going. So we go, well, I don't know. So we talked with the people who were the training people, you know, and everything helping us. And they said, well, we can try remote. And trying remote back then was literally making it up as you go along. Because they were not remote things back then. We tried uh, Zoom, uh, which was new to us. There's no Teams at that time, Microsoft Teams. It was just, we had tried Zoom. Uh, we tried a couple of other Platforms, but the problem was is that they seemed a little unstable. And it was probably because they were overwhelmed. I imagine everyone was trying to do this, right? We wound up just having to go ahead and go with a conference call type phone, uh, you know, and do it that way. And I can't, I can't tell you how many times the guy on the other end trying to train us goes, guys, everybody's quiet. I can't read the room. You're going to have to tell me what you're thinking. What's going on, right? It was very difficult. It was very difficult for us to run it that way, but we kept going. We kept going. And then what happened? A little later that year, Cedar Rapids was hit by a derecho. Never heard of it before. Hey, welcome to town, derecho. 
and they just wipe everything out. 145 mile an hour winds being sustained for like 40 minutes. I mean, this is hurricane type winds. And it's in Cedar Rapids, wiping the place out. Loss of power. Here we go again. Well, can you keep going? Because this project is really important. Can you keep going? Can you do that? Well, what do we do? I mean, we got homes that we have to get to that clean up. And okay, okay, okay. So we came up with a plan. We're going to drive down to Iowa City, and we're going to do it there at a hotel. We're going to hotel that room there, and we'll have it there. So we did it that way then, and it was not fun. It was just as equally difficult because we weren't really focusing on the fact that we had to get this done. We were thinking about the disaster we were leaving behind in, in our homes. Okay, so all these things happened, and yet by September of 2020, we went live with that software. Ten months through all those problems, we went live. We did it. And there were a lot of congratulations, a lot of happy people at corporate. And in our little group of managers doing this, we said, well, hopefully they'll appreciate it in more tangible ways. <laughs> yeah, you're laughing, aren't you? Because you kind of know where this is going. Yeah. So here comes the raises, right? Well, then it's a thing where they're scratching their heads and going, well, you know, we went through a pandemic and, you know, we had some problems. Some of the companies didn't do as well, didn't perform as well. Now, we made a profit. I mean, we did. We were still making, we were still making profit. So they managed to squeak out enough money to give everybody in corporate a raise, but they told us to hold off. Yeah, exactly. I was mad. I was angry. I was angry because of all the sacrifices, not just me, but this whole team made to get this done. And we're, we feel like we're not being recognized. We didn't get what we deserved. And I got angry. Have you ever felt that way? Yeah, you felt that way. Something that makes you angry, something that you feel like, hey, I deserve this. I should have been recognized for this, but I'm not getting it. So in this boss of me, we're talking about anger on the first slide, and we're talking about erasing the debt for a fresh reset. Now, I'll explain debt here in a minute, but that's what we're talking about this morning. Anger is a normal response. It's a human response. We don't deny it. Jesus got angry. There were times when Jesus said to tax collectors and to people who were trying to, they were making a business out of worship. And Jesus got angry. You don't make a business out of worship. Worship is free. Worship is for everyone, right? Righteous anger. Many times, however, we don't experience a righteous anger. Many times, instead, we wind up getting angry for other things. Like, for example, on the next slide, what makes us angry? Being excluded from something we deserve. I deserved, I thought I deserved that raise. So do these people around me. They deserved to have that. Come on, guys, wake up. What is wrong with you? Can't you, you, you just a few months ago were praising us about what we did, and now you can't follow through. What else makes us uh, angry as well? Not receiving well-deserved recognition. Same thing. It's like, well, I'll give you a thank you, but that's it? I mean, when you put out that much, when you work that hard, it takes more. It takes a little more than a, just a thank you. That's appreciate. Yeah, we think, thank you. I appreciate that. But there needs to be more, right? The next thing it's losing something we've invested in. Does that make you angry? Yeah. 
You, you invest in something, you put your time into it, you sacrifice for it, and then you don't get what you wanted out of it. In fact, you might lose something in the whole process. And then finally, and this is a big one, being unfairly treated or rejected. That's a huge one. When you go somewhere, when something happens, when something is said, and you think, that's because of my situation, that's because of maybe who I am, and they're seeing me in a way that I don't appreciate, and you feel unfairly treated. That makes you angry. Well, in simple terms, the next slide, in simple terms, our anger creates a sense of, you owe me. That's how I felt with my company. You owe me. I did this. I stepped up. We worked through all these problems. You owe me. And when you owe me, it means you have created a debt. You now have created a debt for, me, for you that you have to pay. And it causes anger. And anger, even though we know it's not healthy for us, is a real emotion that's hard to deal with in these situations. So a debt is created and a debt has to be paid. It has to be paid. There's no way around it. That's the way debt works. So as long as the debt remains, what happens? We remain angry. It's still there. It's still on the books. I still remember it. And I'm angry about it because of that. So how do we handle this problem of anger? What do we do with it? Well, maybe there's some things you can do in the next slide here. It's a few of us don't even hold back. We just let it go, right? Hulk smash. And you know what happens in Hulk smash. It's just a mess, right? It's just kicking over things, knocking things down. It's hurting. It's not helpful. It just hurts. It creates more problems, right? Anger can do that, right? Anger can create more problems. The next thing is, we can try holding it in for a while, but boy, we're a ticking time bomb, aren't we? And then here comes the Hulk. We're back at it again. Hulk smash! And everybody has to get out of the way, like, oh, look out, yeah! And they're all yelling, you know, because you blew your stack, okay? Not very effective, not very effective because it actually causes more problems. And then the last thing is, it's, uh, we might have distractions, for example, we might do a hobby or we might have some exercise thing that we do. Now, I don't list those two together because I don't see where exercising is a hobby. Somebody can, can somebody explain that to me? I don't know what that means. Okay. Now, so anyway, some, something that distracts us, right? And that's, that's okay. That's, kind of, that's a healthy thing. We can do that. And that's going to be a good way to, to deal with some of our anger. Uh, but the problem is if we don't resolve the anger, it's still there when we get back right? It can still be there. And we can feel better about it, and that helps. But some of the anger can still be there. The debt hasn't gone away. That's the problem. The debt has not gone away. So the question then is, is how well does this type of anger management work? Well, it's temporary. That's what it feels like to me. It's temporary. I've tried these things, except for the exercise, and it's very <laughs> temporary. It doesn't help me that much. And I get frustrated. In fact, I get angry about this not working because, you know, I want something that works. I think maybe you do too. So there is a, another problem with anger that we need to talk about. And that is, in the next slide, 
some anger we have runs deeper, really deep. For example, the passing of a loved one, we can get, I got, I lost a very good friend in college in an accident. And for a long time, I was angry with God. Why did this happen? It's just, I only had this short amount of time and I, I felt like a brother. He felt like my brother. And now he's gone? How does that make sense? For a while, I was angry about that. When somebody walks away from a relationship, maybe a mom or a dad decides, nope, it's time to leave, that can create a lot of anger. When trust is broken, when you have a friendship developing and you're trusting, you're saying things, the next thing you know, something comes back to you and there's no way it could have been hurt any other way. And that trust is broken. And maybe you've been involved in a violent event. Maybe you've had a violent background in your life and you're in part of your story, and that creates anger, a deep anger. These are things that create a debt so large it seems impossible to pay. And those are the tough ones. Those are the really tough ones, and we've all been there. We've all, if you've been around in life long enough, You've had these kind of problems, these types of angers. So, according to the teaches, teaching of teaches, teaching of Jesus and examples in the Bible, there is a very simple-sounding solution. It's forgiveness. How did that land? <laughs> in the next slide. Forgiveness, is it possible? Is it even possible to do that? And why? Why, why does it have to be forgiveness, right? That, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure I can do that, right? So what do you think when you hear forgiveness? Did you roll your eyes? I heard somebody say, no, no way, no. I know, I know. Some deaths don't cause as much threats. Uh, there are some things we get angry about on a day to day, and we can, we can kind of brush that off, right? But there are deep ones that can't get easily brushed away. And if we allow them to, they will fester. So those are the deaths that we want to talk about and spend a little more time on. Going to the next slide, letting go, and this is, this is why we wonder, why we, this is the things we say, I can't, for, I can't forgive, Right? And one of those things is letting go is like letting them off the hook, right? They deserve my anger. I'm right, they're wrong. They know they're wrong. And they need to be the ones to ask for forgiveness, okay? So I might consider forgiveness if they came and begged me, maybe. I make them beg for a while, maybe twice, okay? And they have to throw in a gift card. And then the next one, forgiveness might be nice, but how? I mean, I'm not necessarily happy about this anger, this hurt, but how does that work? And then you might fall in the third, in the last category, fourth category. I tried forgiveness, but the old feelings keep coming back. The memories keep coming back. It's difficult to move on, even though I may want to forgive. Well, you might understand very easily if you read the Bible that 
forgiveness is very, very essential in our Christian faith and our walk with Jesus. Uh, and in fact, Jesus himself knew all about brokenness. He knew all about anger. He knew all about all the emotions that we have because he was human. Yes, he was God, but he was human. He limited himself into us, into who we are. And he experienced the brokenness of this world. Jesus experienced it firsthand, didn't he? He experienced the anger of people towards him for what he was doing and trying to accomplish. Well, another person who also experienced that kind of thing was Paul. He was one of the apostles, wrote a lot of the uh, New Testament. He also experienced the brokenness of the world. In fact, on many occasions, Paul was beaten. He was arrested. He was imprisoned, beaten some more. He was thrown out of towns. He was arrested unjustly, expedited finally to Rome, where he waited for a trial for a year. And the thing is that everything he was saying, everything he was trying to do about Jesus, the people, a lot of the people looked at him as though he was in a cult. Now, how do you feel about cults? Yeah. That's craziness. Somebody died and rose again. Right, right. Yeah. And so he was not in a position where he was well-received. He had a lot of reason to be angry, right? I mean, he was treated unfairly, unjust. He was trying to help people. But yet, here he was in prison. And yet, when you read the letters that Paul wrote in the New Testament, there's no sense of anger. There's no sense of bitterness. How is that possible? Well, Paul wrote a letter and we call it Ephesians. And in the next slide, Ephesians 4.31, he wrote this. He said, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Okay, now if anybody else wrote that, I'd say they're crazy. But Paul's writing it. Paul's experienced these things, so... I guess I'm willing to listen to what Paul's trying to tell me. I mean, it sounds good. Get rid of it. Yeah, I mean, that'd be nice. I don't want caring bitterness and anger. I don't want to slander. In fact, Paul just throws everything into the very last part, every form of malice. Doesn't make any difference what you call it. Every form of malice. Okay? Well, Paul goes on to offer us a very good response to anger and a very good reason for forgiveness. In the next slide... Ephesians goes on, he writes, get rid of all bitterness, rage, oops, brawling, oops, am I in the wrong place here? I might be, get rid of all bitterness, oh, I see, sorry. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with their firmness. And then this is what he adds here that I want to bring out next. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Now, this is the meat of what Paul was trying to say, what Paul was teaching us and telling us. What Paul is saying is how he deals with anger that he experiences in his life by this debt that he feels, that we all feel, is by taking our eyes off of the debt, 
by taking our eyes off of the debt that we feel owed to us and by extending kindness and compassion to everyone, even those who have wronged us. Forgiveness enables us to be kind, to be compassionate to people who should owe us. Why? Because God forgave us of our debt of sin. Paul knew where he came from. Paul understood his fall in the eyes of God, understood that he was not measuring up, and God in his grace and his love reached out to Paul and said, Paul, stop. And Paul accepted forgiveness from God. Paul accepted God's forgiveness to him. So our best works that we do may, may be appreciated by other people, but they don't measure up to the holiness of God. The only acceptable payment for our heavy debt of sin is the payment made by Jesus' death on the cross. Even though Jesus was without any fault or blame, he paid our debt. And so Paul's looking at this and saying, you know what? This stuff I'm going through right now, I don't like it. I don't want it. I don't, I, but I refuse to hold on to anger because even though Jesus had every right to be angry, refused to be angry, and instead offered forgiveness. And that forgiveness is salvation. That Forgiveness allows us to move forward in a whole new way with God, in a way we couldn't, impossible before. Perhaps you have personally experienced that kind of forgiveness in your life, God's forgiveness. I did back whenever I decided to accept this gift of forgiveness based on the death and resurrection of Jesus. And it felt to me, I remember that felt to me like a weight lifted from me. And I experienced a joy of a feeling of like a fresh start, like a new day. And people will come up to me and look at me and go, there's like a light in your eyes. And that's how I felt. It was like a light shining out of me, the light of God, of forgiveness. Therefore, our attitude of forgiveness should mirror that of God's forgiveness towards you and me. Now, we love Peter. I love Peter in the Bible. He's one of the, one of the uh, disciples, remember? And uh, Peter had attempt, had to, uh, uh, normally he would speak and then think. And I don't know, some of you might, I mean, kind of, kind of sort of hawk, but not, not, he was a mini hawk, kind of a mini hawk. And uh, he, he would say things, and then Jesus would have to go, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. well, he did that. In uh, Matthew, in the 18th chapter, and I would recommend reading, I mean, Jesus spoke in parables, stories, stories that had a moral lesson, and great stories. Everything, all of them have high relevance, even to us today. Uh, so Jesus is going to speak in a parable. But here, first of all, Peter is going to get bold, and he's going to come before Jesus. And he's going to say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, he has a question for him. If we go to the next slide, uh, what is Jesus's, uh, this is what uh, P- Peter's question is. He's saying basically, hey, 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 Jesus, I've been thinking about it, man. And um, what if my brother or sister sins against me? How many times should I forgive them? I'm thinking seven. 
Seven's a good number, right? I mean, come on, seven's a good number, right? I mean, seven is, right? I, you and me, we'd go, okay. Uh, hey, I need you to go pick up the kids from school. I'm at work and I can't get out. I don't know, blah, blah, blah. Okay, thanks, thanks, thanks. And then, you know, you're in the meeting and ring, ring, ring. Sorry, sorry, ring, ring, sorry, sorry. Yeah, what happened? What's the matter? Hey, your kid is still here. What? What? Man, you, okay, all right, never mind. I got it. Fine. I forgive you. Seven times? That seems to be stretching. Seven times? Yeah. Now listen to the Jesus. This is what Jesus said. Not seven, but 77. What if you do something 77 times? I think we call that a habit. <laughs> it is, isn't it? And I think that's what Jesus was trying to imply here. You don't just do it once or twice or maybe even seven. You have to exercise forgiveness in your life all the time. Because we live in a broken world, and it's going to happen, right? So he tells this wonderful parable. It's in chapter 18, verse 21 through 35, and I'm not going to read through the whole thing, but I'm going to give you the summary of it, okay? We call it the parable of the unmerciful servant. What happens is Jesus says there was this king, and this king was, of course, very wealthy, but he had made some deals, and so he decided, you know what? It's time for me to collect some of these deals, some of these things I've done. So he's been calling in his servants, and they you know, hey, you owe me whatever, and they go, okay. Well, he called in this one guy. He comes in, and the king says, hey, I've decided you need to pay up your debt. And the guy goes, um, well, that would have been $10 million that you let me have, and I don't have it. And the king says, well, we got a problem. And I'm, what I'm going to do is in order to help pay off this $10 million, Million dollars you owe. I mean, can you imagine owing somebody ten million dollars? Well, to help pay that off, I'm going to have to uh, sell your wife, your children, and you, um, and everything you own. You, you know, I'm going to take all of it. Well, this guy just falls down on his knees and he says, "Oh, King, oh Master, please have mercy on me. I will pay you back ten million dollars, dude." You're going to pay back $10 million? Well, I think the king knew there's no way $10 million is going to get paid back. So he said to him, I've had, I'm going to have mercy on you. Not only will you have time, but you will, the debt is canceled. It's gone. $10 million debt, gone. Like that. Wow. This servant gets up, and he heads out, and he sees a servant of his and says, and says hey, you're the guy that owes me 100 bucks. And he grabs him by the throat and he says, I want my 100 bucks, man. And he says, oh, I don't have it. And he falls down. He says, have mercy on me. I'll pay you when I can, but I don't have it right now. And he says, not good enough. And he says, you're going to go to the pauper's prison and you're going to work until you get that 100 bucks back to me. Well, the king's servant heard all this. They go back to the king and they tell him, and the king said, bring the guy back in here. So he brings the guy back in here. And he says, did I hear right? I forgave you $10 million. And somebody you know owes you $100. And you wouldn't forgive them? I would think after I forgave you, 
that much debt, you would be willing to forgive them and have mercy on them too. Therefore, you are a wicked servant. And I am going to collect on that debt now. I've decided I am. And I'm going to have you thrown into prison and tortured until you can pay it up. And Jesus said, this is the way our God treats those who have no mercy and who will not forgive. These are harsh words. These are serious words. Because Jesus is making a very strong point here. Forgiveness is a cornerstone of your faith. You can't carry anger and bitterness. You weren't designed for that. You can't do it. You have to let it go. And as God has let go of our debt, you let go of others who owe you a debt. So what comes down to in the next slide is, is that forgiveness is a decision. Now, we want to feel something, right? Anger causes feeling. Anger is a feeling. We want to feel something. But really, in a lot of things in life that we do, there is a decision that's made, not a feeling. And we move from that decision. So the decision has to be made that this is the right thing to do. This is good for me. I will use forgiveness. So the first thing you need to do is identify who you're angry with. The first, a lot of people sometimes go walking around, they're angry, but they don't really know why. Have you ever done that sometimes? You ever, you ever wake up in the morning, why do I feel angry? Why do I feel tense? Why, do I, why am I always kind of on edge? It might be there's something going on in the background. It might be something you remember right away, or it might be something that you've suppressed, something that you've tried to push back in the shadows. But you need to identify that. You need to bring it out in the open. You need to figure it out. Then you need to determine what it is that they owe you. What do you feel that this person owes you? And then you have to decide to cancel the debt completely. And then you get to celebrate your freedom because you are free. And the great thing about following Jesus is that you can ask God for help and healing, and he will walk you through the process. He did it with me. When I lost that friend of mine, it took a time of healing, and I had to continually weep, if you will, before God about this and deal with it and ask that he help me understand, help me deal with this anger that I had. And it took me a long time. It was a learning process. But the good thing is I did not give up on it. If we hold out and wait to be paid back for wrongs that have been done to us, we are the ones who pay. A lot of people don't even know that you're angry with them. A lot of people may not even know that they owe you an apology, don't care, some. We will wind up paying for it physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. If, on the other hand, we cancel debts owed to us, we are free. I am free of my anger and my bitterness towards God for the loss of my friend. I'm free of that. I don't carry that around anymore. And it feels good. 
Am I still missing my friend? Of course. Of course I still, I, I cherish the memories that I have of him and the time we spent together and all that. That's, that was awesome. But I'm free of that. Can you imagine then a world where you could be free from anger? Would it be a better life? Are you willing to cancel the debt and be free? This is how we deal with things as we walk with Christ. We face the reality of it, and we allow God to bring healing because he cares about you. He does not hold debts. God does not hold our debts. Can we be free and not hold debts that others have that we think they owe us? Our healing is important to God. And in this situation, in this setting of believers, there are people here who can help you. They can pray with you. They can help you through the process. They can help you find resources. This is a team thing. And not a single one of us is exempt from this anger and from these bitterness and things that can build up in our hearts. Every one of us has to deal with these things, and God has provided a solution, and it's a path. It doesn't just, most of the time, it doesn't happen instantly. The power of God works in the life of those who allow forgiveness. Let me have a quick prayer right now with you. Jesus, I want to thank you for the fact that although you are the Son of God, went through all types of situations where people, even though you were doing nothing but good, nothing but helpful, nothing but kindness and love, were out to get you, didn't trust you, and yet you didn't repay evil with evil or anger with anger. You repaid it with love, the kind of love that stretches your arms out on a cross that offers forgiveness to all because you were the perfect sacrifice who did no evil. You owed no debt and you were not in debt to anyone. You were free. And now you're offering that same gift of forgiveness to us free. I just pray that you'll help each and every one here who is struggling with something that has been on their hearts for a while or and I I know your great love reaches out and touches us. So guide and direct and help bring healing. And the first thing, Lord, help us make that first decision. I need to let this go. I need to cancel my debt. We thank you for all you're doing and helping and the way you're working in lives. And I give you all the glory and praise for the way you've helped me in my life in every step of the way. You never gave up. Times I push back on you, but you never quit loving me. You continue to work with me and with through the people that, that surrounded me with prayer and, and kindness. So thank you. Allow me to do that with anyone here, Lord, as well, if that's your will. Thank you for these people, for their time, for what they're doing and listening. And we just give you the praise and glory for all that you're doing. Amen.
think, oh, hello. Thanks, Al. Um, we're going to take a quick second here before we wrap up service uh, to celebrate um, another way that God can transform our lives, um, certainly through forgiveness of debt and through anger, um, but all through, also through calling and putting on our hearts um, what our next step is and what our new direction is. And, um, and that can take a lot of different forms. Um, our vision statement as a church is to create space for you, like you and you and you and you and you, to grow your gifts and become a Christ-like leader. And how we lead and what God, how God calls us to lead and influence others can look very different. Um, that can look as um, investing in the next generation in our kids' area. Uh, that can look clicking slides in the back on a Sunday morning. Uh, and that can look like full-time ministry. And uh, we have started this thing here over the last few months, you maybe have noticed it, where we're celebrating when people take that step, that call to ministry, because it's a big step, um, and it's a big decision, and it's a really long commitment. And so today we're going to celebrate Ryan um, for two things. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but for getting his local minister's license. And what that means, we've got a little graphic here to show you, walk you through how that looks. Um, step one, this is very simplified. Um, to give you a sense of scale, this is a minimum four-year, um, maximum nine-year process or ten-year process. Um, step one is to sense a call to ministry, um, and then to share that call. And then step two is to get your learner's permit. Like in Iowa at 14, you can get your learner's permit. You know, you can't drive alone, but you can drive with somebody. Um, though some people, I think, drive alone. Anyways, um, and so it's given by the local church board. Uh, you have to hold it for a year. You've got to complete so many classes. Uh, you do assessment. You do multiple interviews. Uh, you get interviewed by the board. There's like a whole process. Um, and that's what we're going to be celebrating today. You don't get the title of pastor, but you get the acknowledgement that you are in process of learning and celebrated for that. Um, and it's the point at which the church kind of comes around and we say, hey, we're going to watch and encourage you and support you in this journey. And then step three is uh, you get a district pastor's license. That's your intermediate permit kind of thing. You know, you get to drive on your own. Um, but, you know, you don't get to drive like at 2 a.m. in the morning, though, again, I'm pretty sure people do. Um, you know, that kind of thing. And then you're ordained pastor, full license, uh, and after a minimum of, of four years. That's like the fastest you can do the process. So today we're celebrating Ryan. And so um, he's going to share his story. Some of you may have seen it last week if you were joining us up in Cedar Rapids for our combined service, but I know some of you weren't there because you were having fun on 4th of July, which is okay. Um, and so we're going to watch Ryan's story, and then he's going to come up here, and we're going to give him that license, all right? So here's Ryan's story and why he's here doing this today. I think the Lord's lesson for me was do all this, do all the wrong stuff, and I'm going to teach you the right way to do it and to help you guide people not to do, <laughs> make the same mistakes that you did. It was about, I would say, 10 years ago um, in my previous marriage, um, we, were, we were struggling. You know, we had two kids, very young, and uh, I was struggling with porn addiction and, of course, with marriage struggles. It's never a good combination. About 1.30 in the morning, I woke up and I, I can't really explain the feeling, you know. I, I started praying, and I prayed for forgiveness and stopped, you know, my the porn addiction to, to heal my marriage. Um, and I felt a weight instantly lifted. That's what started to change my life for the good. So unfortunately, the marriage did not work out. Um, 
Thankfully, I met a godly woman who I now get to call my wife, my, my best friend. Uh, Melinda has been a rock for me, and if you ask her, I'd probably have been the same for her, even though I don't know how. <laughs> we were actually on our way to run some errands, and we were behind a car that had an infuse sticker. So we went to the website, and we're like, you know, imperfect people, and we're like, oh wow, let's try that next Sunday. Well, well, here we are. <laughs> two years later, we've been going to Infuse, and and I think, I think it was two weeks, two and a half weeks after starting in Infuse, the Lord was telling me, He's like, you're at church now. This is where I wanted you to be. And when He got me to a church that I felt like was my home church, that's when He opened up that call and got louder and, and told me, you know, teaching and being in front of people and sharing your story and your gospel and the gospel is is what you need to do. I don't know it, you know, it's harder to explain a feeling to somebody, but you know, if you ever get that tightness in your chest and, and just you kind of get a thought out of nowhere that, you know, you weren't praying, you weren't doing this or that. That's God talking to you and that's how I knew to listen and sure glad I did. So on, on top of taking classes uh, at Nazarene Bible College online, uh, I've acquired my local ministry license um, and will be putting in for my district license as soon as possible. And getting on stage and sharing a message is, is definitely a big part of my growth and I, I look forward to sharing it with anybody and everybody that I can in the future. The relationship that has grown between me and the Lord has, I don't know, I know it's brought me closer to Him, but it's also brought me closer to my family, to Melinda, how I talk to complete strangers. He's definitely taught me humility um, and that His forgiveness and His grace has always been there. And stuff that I've done in my past that I'm not so proud of. He forgives me. This path that I'm on has, has changed me completely. If you knew me five years ago, I'm a totally different person for the better. Um, so I was saying there's two things we're celebrating today. Um, one makes sense, kind of the other, bear with me. So the first is we're celebrating um, his local license. So I'm just going to give that so I don't have to hold on to it because you have to have two hands free. Yeah, absolutely. You have to, you still have to say I do to a couple things yet, and then it's official. Um, the, the second thing is that we're uh, celebrating that Melinda and Ryan are moving away, and you'd say, well, that, that sounds really sad. Is this your last Sunday, official last Sunday? Yes, okay, last Sunday. Um, and that's really sad. Um, and there is sadness, but the cool thing that I think is we're celebrating is that when you're part of a church, it's not just an us thing. We're not the only church. And I know, like, duh, Taylor, obviously we're not the only church. Yes, but like we really are one group of people. We may express it slightly how we worship and and how we think of God slightly differently, but we're all one church, whether you're in Georgia, uh, whether you're in Iowa, or anywhere around the world. This is a billions and billions of people kind of thing. And so even though they won't be with us here, they'll still be um, uh, playing uh, a part of the same team, a part of the, the big church, the church that really matters and really changes the world. 
And so that's, I think, a really exciting thing that they're going to continue to do that where they um, connect in and feel at home in a church location in Georgia. So if you're going to go to Georgia, they'll be there waiting for you, okay? Um, all right, so um, Ryan, have a couple things. First is that a local minister's license is granted by the church board upon the recommendation of the pastor, that's me, and requires yearly renewal. It marks the beginning of a process by which the church will observe and affirm the call of God that he has placed on your life. It is also time for you to discern and affirm your call to pastoral ministry through the course of study, service to the church, teaching, leading, and growing. As Paul said in Romans 12, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your, bo- offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. So do you, Ryan, accept your responsibility to serve God's church as a follower of Jesus, to love Jesus as he loves you, to learn, grow, and seek God's will for your life and future ministry? If so, say, I do. And do you um, accept your call that we as a church um, have... Um, accepted in your words, and uh, do you um, continue to live out that call and seek it? Um, And then if so, rescind it if it is not truly your call, and if you do accept it, to live that out as long as you live. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you um, for Ryan. Thank you for Melinda as they endeavor to affirm and continue to discern uh, a big responsibility that you have put on their shoulders. This is something that we all take um, or need to take very seriously. Um, It is a responsibility to speak into people's lives using your word, to build trust with people in your name, to love them as you have loved us with significant authority. Be there with them as they not only travel and move and settle in a new location to be uh, with family and children, um, but as they continue the call you have placed on their hearts and to bring that good news, that love that transforms um, debt into forgiveness, that transforms anger into joy, um, that love into their communities. Lord, help them to hold close what they have learned and the relationships that they have built here at Infuse, that they may carry that um, to new locations, um, that that imperfect people would be welcomed, would be loved and brought into your kingdom. Um, And Lord, we just pray um, and I just ask that as you're with him, uh, you would help us to keep them in our prayers and encourage them, even from a distance, um, that we have an awesome opportunity and obligation to build your kingdom, um, to bring your love into the world, not just here in our local Iowa City community, Tiffin community, um, but into the world. And this is one of the ways that we get to do that. Help us to celebrate that, though we may be sad, uh, that we can lift that up in prayer um, and also in joy. And uh, we thank you for you being with us and for creating and transforming people's lives like Ryan um, so that you can do a great work in this world. In your name I pray. Amen.